tonight, it sounds like good news, but then maybe the markets digest it as bad news. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Friday's jobs report, a bit surprising to many in a really good way, but it seems like it might also have some negative consequences. Joining us tonight, Allworth's chief investment officer, Andy Stout, here to explain why something that looks so good on the surface isn't necessarily so good to the market. Explain, Andy. Yeah, well, we're in a situation where good news is bad news because when we have good economic news, Amy, that means the Federal Reserve, which is our nation's central bank, they're responsible for trying to keep inflation under control. Uh, that This good economic news gives them a, a little bit more clearance, if you will, to raise rates and keep raising them on a somewhat aggressive path. And the market doesn't like aggressive rate hikes, and that appears to be what's in store in the next few months. Andy, the problem is with the Federal Reserve, right, they're making these calls on hiking interest rates, but the long-term effects of those things, of course, we, we don't know for months and months and months. So when we're continuing to get these sort of good economic numbers coming out, it sort of makes it look like what they're doing isn't working, which continues them sort of down this more aggressive path, right? Yeah, if you look at when the Federal Reserve makes these type of moves and when it affects the economy, you're usually around like a six to a nine month lag, meaning you really don't see an economic impact for a while. Uh, now, when we think about just the big picture in general, you know, the jobs market, the, the jobs data from last week, it showed that 390,000 jobs were added in the month of May. That's a pretty good number. The unemployment rate remained at 3.6. That's still a very, very low number. And that happened even as more people entered the labor force to look for jobs. So when you look at the total job market picture, you know it's, it's a good picture. But to your point, what the Federal Reserve is doing now, that's going to have effects, not necessarily today, but a few months down the road. It's funny because when you even look at wage increases month over month, right, they were less than economists had predicted. Yep. Which is a good thing, back to your point about good, not necessarily good news being bad news, but less weight increases at this point when we've got inflation so high is actually a really good thing. Yeah, this is one of the things that can become a problem for the general economy when we think about inflation is when uh, wage prices spiral out of control. That, that tends to be very hard to rein back in. So we saw the average hourly earnings for the month of May stay at 0.3%. That's what it, incre it increased 0.3% in April and increased 0.3% in May. Economists were thinking it would increase 0.4%. So it came in a little bit low, which is good. And the, that brought down the year-over-year year number to 5.2% uh, from 5.5% last month. Now, I know I just said a lot of numbers there, Amy. You know, I sincerely apologize for that. <laughs> the takeaway is uh, the average hourly earnings are, are coming down. That's a good thing. However, that won't do anything to dissuade the Fed from what it plans to do with their rate hikes because there's still lots of other evidence of mounting inflation in other areas. You only got to look uh, across the ocean to see what's going on with Russia, Ukraine, and oil prices to see one of the big culprits. I was going to say, it, it feels like, oh, my gosh, the, the prices are paying at the pump, at the grocery store, are never going to go back down. I guess misery loves company, but we're not alone in this, right? I mean, we're seeing this globally right now. Oh, yeah. In the in the Eurozone, uh, 
inflation just hit a record high. It climbed 8.1% over the past year. And they're in a different situation with their central bank, which is the European Central Bank or ECB, than we are with the Fed. They haven't raised rates yet. They're actually meeting this week. They probably won't raise rates this week. They actually have, uh, Amy, a, a negative interest rate associated with their uh, mm. with, with their bonds out there, which is uh, interesting that we could spend the whole hour diving into that. <laughs> yes. But what we're really looking at from the ECB's perspective is that they're going to be raising rates probably in July, and they're going to start to see uh, some impact there. But they're dealing with a much different situation, obviously being you know right next door to the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And then the EU saying last week that they're going to ban all uh, seaborne oil from Russia. And mm -hmm. that represents uh, about 90% of Russian oil imports into Europe. The 10% that's still coming through is going to come in pipelines. And they're not stopping that because of some opposition uh, from Hungary. You know, Andy, when we talk about this jobs report, like this good news is bad news sort of a thing. One thing the Federal Reserve has always pointed to in sort of taking this more aggressive path is because the job market is as is, is healthy and robust as it is right now, there was still hope for this kind of soft landing, right, that we could hike mm -hmm. interest rates. And because there's, I don't know, a better way to put it, but all this slack in the labor market, we might not still hike ourselves into a recession. Does this jobs report help fuel maybe that way of thinking or what are your thoughts yeah uh, you know, i think this jobs report you know helps that to a degree because it does allow the fed to be you know a little bit more aggressive in you know fighting inflation and there are about 11, not about there are 11.4 million job openings out there which is about two times the number of job openings for an unemployed person uh so what that tells you is that there's still a lot of slack in the market like you're talking about it also tells you there's a quite a bit of a skills mismatch out there mm. uh, in terms of job openings for who's qualified to fill those jobs right so uh, when you look at all that there's still decent amount of uh, what we would call slack and that means that the jobs market's in good shape that means that employers are going to be reluctant to lay people off which we see in the uh, jobless claim data it all points to a tight uh, labor market uh, which is good because that insulates the average consumer uh, from losing their job and it keeps them the, it gives them the ability to keep spending. And that's important, Amy, because consumer spending represents 70% of the total U.S. economy. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. The jobs report was good, so why is it bad? Well, inflation is so out of control right now, which keeps the Federal Reserve, our nation's central bank, on this path of aggressive rate hikes. Of course, joining us then as he does every Monday to make sense of all of this, Andy Stout, our chief investment officer. Andy, there's had, there have been headlines for months now, right? People saying the sky is falling, but we're going to add some big names to this list. J.P. Morgan's CEO, Jamie Dimon, last week said an economic hurricane is down the road and coming our way. Of course, Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, has just, you know, in his words, a super bad feeling about Very the economy. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Elon Musk is, is, is speaking up just about everything these days. I'm not sure how much stock I put in his beliefs, but I do put a lot of stock into yours. You have been um, pretty confident in saying, hey, we do not see a recession on the horizon, at least in the next six months. Do you still feel that same way? Yeah, I mean, recession risk is low, 
And part of the reason is, you know, we certainly see what's going on with the Fed. We certainly see what's going on with the oil. But because the job market is strong, because the consumer has a healthy balance sheet, that means looking at the income relative to debt of the average person, because that's in such good order, that uh, has helped the what we call leading economic indicators, which are data points that move before the broad economy moves. That's helped to keep those leading economic indicators still pointing toward growth. And when you have a situation like that, we see recession risk low for the re for basically the next six months or so that doesn't mean we won't fall into a recession eventually you know there, there's no question about you know we will eventually we i mean will. that's yes. just part of a normal business cycle it happens it's not fun to go through especially if you lose your job during it but with all that being said we're not there yet now when we think about what's going on with the volatility in the market and when you think about what Jamie Dimon is saying, what Elon Musk is saying, you know, it's certainly it can be tempting with all the volatility out there, Amy, to want to you know sell everything and run for the hills, right? Yeah. But market timing like that, it just doesn't really work out too well on a very regular basis. What you know, most investors are better off doing is making sure their risk tolerance and financial needs are aligned. That way they can weather any storms or economic hurricanes that may come our way. And that's a great segue there too, Andy, because I was going to ask you, there's so much out of our control as investors, right? We can't control in what the what the Federal Reserve is doing. We can't, of course, include and, and control the inflation rates, anything like that. But let's talk about what's within investors' um, ability to control, because we've seen so many investors make bad decisions based on mm -hmm. fear. And there's a lot of fear mongering in these headlines right now. So what's the, what's the message to investors about staying the course in what you can control right now? I would say, take a step back, look at the world economy, look at the markets and understand where we are, understand there probably will be some volatility down the road, wouldn't surprise us whatsoever. And when we think about it, maybe you just use this analogy, think of fire and ice. It might make this kind of easier to understand. Okay. The Fed's policies should cool down inflation. That's the ice part of it, mm -hmm. right? But the European war fans the flames of, inf of inflation that's the fire and those two are going to be at odds to one another for a while so we're going to be in a period of fire and ice and those are real concerns with all that being said we should also recognize that it's a temporary real concern temporary meaning you know it could be a year or so i don't need, i'm not even going to try to time that mm -hmm. but we'll get through this just like we've gotten through every single economic whether it be a minor slowdown, whether it be a full-blown recession, whether it be a great recession, we'll get through it just like we always have. It might be painful along the way, but knowing that you know stocks have already had a, a pretty decent sell-off, uh, you know it's probably not a bad time to be a, a intermediate to long-term investor uh, because you know stocks are kind of on sale to a degree. Now that doesn't mean again there won't be more volatility. There certainly will be, but if you have the right mix of stocks and bonds for the your financial needs that you uh, want to achieve with your financial goals and everything, then you can be able to sleep at night and not result in uh, or not have some sort of emotional decision that costs you from a financial perspective. Because what's going to happen is when you get really scared and fearful, that's when people sell and go to stocks. That's the exact wrong or go out of stocks. Excuse me. And that's the exact wrong thing to do because what happens is inevitably news is usually worst at the bottom and best at the top. So when you get really scared, it's often not the best time to run for the hills. 
Here's the Simply Money point. This hot labor market is fending off a recession, at least for now. The good news means the Fed will likely have to stay more aggressive with interest rate hikes. Coming up, Amazon's stock price looks a whole lot different today. We're going to explain why and a look at how Americans are trying to beat inflation in a maybe not so great way. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Can't listen to Simply Money every night? Well, subscribe to our weekly podcast. It's the best of Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight ahead at 643, the key signs to look for so you don't run out of your money in retirement. All right. You know, we don't usually tell people, Steve, to look at a stock price on any given day. We don't <laughs> normally hone on those things. But if you had looked at Amazon stock price today, you might say, what? It's well, going to yeah, be they, a whole lot I, lower I did, than you would expect. I, I did a stress test for my heart on Friday. A lot of people are having their stress test today. <laughs> yes. if, what if happened to Amazon, Amazon stock? stock yeah. And didn't know about the split. Yeah, it split uh, 20, um, 20 for one. You had one share. You got Major. 20 shares now. But that means it drops in price by 20 fold, which if you didn't know what was happening, you're, you're going to ask yourself, what the heck's going on with my Amazon? It's it's OK. Let's talk it's about stock, stock split. splits, because yeah. I don't think everyone fully understands them. And I've actually we had well, we had someone write in with a question for the column. And then I've had a couple people stop me and say, hey, I really want to get in on this because I think it's this great deal. It's not really a great deal. You're still paying oh. this. You still own the same amount of if you already owned Amazon stock, you own the same amount today that you did on Friday. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah it's you, the same. You own same part you of own the 20 times more shares, but it's the 20th of the price. Yes. So, yeah, you don't. But you know what? And, and, you know, we've seen it here in Cincinnati for generations with, with Procter & Gamble. I, I mean, you cannot convince most people that Procter & Gamble has not been a good stock because of the splits. Well, it's kind of backwards because when a, when a stock splits, it's usually because it has been so successful. The price has increased more and more and more, and it gets up into the 500 you know, $800 share price price range and a lot of people are are they're they're not going to buy an $800 they can't touch share it anymore. stock. Yeah. Exactly, but they'll buy an $80 a share stock. So they'll split a 10 for 1 in that example. So it's more that stock splits are generally not always but generally a sign of a successful company. Yeah. And you know, that's okay to buy I mean that's the goal is to buy a growing company so that your underlying share value which actually it, it denotes your ownership of the company should be worth more in a more successful company. So it's not up or down because of the split. But, you know, usually a stock split is is a fairly positive sign that the underlying company's in good shape. Yeah, if you weren't interested in buying Amazon because you don't like the fundamentals of Amazon, the stock split doesn't make it any more enticing, right? But if you love exactly. the company and, you know, we would say, hey, no more than 10% of your entire portfolio should be in any individual stocks, Amazon or otherwise, if this makes sense, you know, it, it could be a good way for some people to get in on Amazon stock. You know, inflation is having a huge impact on everyone on a daily basis at this oh, point, yeah. no matter how old you are. But for those getting close to retiring, this is where the numbers aren't so great. One quarter of Americans are now saying, I'm going to have to delay my retirement, largely because of this inflation. Well, and, and you know that one quarter, 25% uh, of the people that are going to delay aren't doing it because they want to. 
It's yes. because they feel they have to. And, and you know what that tells me, Amy? That that tells me, uh, well, a quarter of the people out there probably don't have a financial plan done for them because a financial plan is going to include inflation, and you should be stress testing your financial plan to include things like higher inflation, lower returns, and things like that. It really shouldn't impact your retirement decision if you went into your retirement decision knowing what your plan looks like in all of these scenarios. Yeah, so this new survey that's out uh, said putting off retirement plans mostly due to disrupted savings from these increased prices. 36% of those responding have reduced how much you're saving, one in five of you putting away less for retirement in order to just keep up. You know, Steve, it's so interesting because when we first started talking about inflation, it was kind of the end of summer last year. We started talking about we're starting to see it, but it wasn't changing the way any of us acted. No. We weren't changing no. our shopping habits. We weren't buying generic brand at the grocery store. We weren't, you know, downloading the Gas Buddy app so that we could find the gas station a little farther down right. the road. Now we're there. And we're there beyond even just these daily considerations. We're now to the point where people are changing how much they can save and put away because yeah. of this. Well, you have to. I mean, I, I just filled up my tank this morning. It was over 100 bucks. Yes. I, I mean, you can't do that and not have to change something unless you make crazy Amy Wagner kind of money. Yeah, you right. Know? <laughs> but no, but but in all seriousness, it's it's not just, you know, the price at the pump. It's, you know, you go to Kroger, I go to Kroger. I, I had a, um, uh, a parent tell me um, she shops for her husband and five kids, and wow. a couple of the kids are in, in you know, eighth grade, ninth grade. They're just eating everything in sight. Uh -huh. And she she is spending $2,000 a month on groceries, way more than she has in wow. the past. So, you know, you add, add the price of groceries on top of this, on top of this, on top of this. And, and at some at some point, yeah, you have to change your, 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 uh, your habits. And, and what I'm hearing out of all this, Amy, and this doesn't surprise me at all, is there is some serious fear out there with people who are thinking about retiring and whether or not you know, the question is always, am I going to run out of money? Am I going to be okay? And a lot of people are saying, I'm not so sure anymore. And, and that's concerning. Which is why I think there's also been an increase in people looking to professionals, right? To financial yeah. advisors um, saying, am I going to be okay? And, and I think that's a really smart thing because I've known so many people who just make assumptions, right? Based on their, their current money situation. And it keeps them up at night, right? There's there's no peace yeah. about it because there's just this, these huge unknowns hanging over your head. And according to this survey, more people are now turning to someone who can help them figure out, do I have enough? And I think that's a really kind of smart way to go about this. Well, yeah. And, and you know, you and I both have, have looked at, you know, different financial planning software. And remember that one that we found that didn't even yes. include inflation? Right. So, I mean, we saw major not, gaps, right? Major was, gaps in what we would yeah. tell people who come to Allworth, hey, this is what you need to be considering. A lot of those considerations were not even part of that process. I, I, I know. I, I mean, I, I, I am always going to say, hey, if you're smart and have the desire and the time and want to be a do-it-yourselfer, knock yourself out. Sure. I, I mean, maybe you don't have to hire a professional, but if you're using software, assuming this is telling you, you know, that I'm going to be okay, that doesn't include inflation. My question is, well, does it even account for taxes? Because a lot of people, you know, they're, they're going to figure on their distribution amounts every month uh, from Social Security and pensions and 401ks and whatnot. Um, and, and they kind of forget about, oh, yeah, I pay tax on IRA distributions, 401k distributions. These are things you need to go 
into before you make the retirement decision. And I think that's what's driving a lot of people towards professionals. Here's the Simply Money point. With inflation this high, now's a great time to review your plan with a qualified financial advisor. You know, we often warn you about all the ways your personal data is being used and sold, but, but what can you do? Our tech expert weighs in with a new option you can use to protect yourself. Next, you're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sproback. One of the best segments I think that we do has to do with our tech expert, Dave Hatter from Intrust IT. It's just warning you about ways that your information is getting out, ways that you can protect yourself. And a lot of times, Dave, you know, we have people joining us listening and we're telling them, gosh, there's all this scary stuff out there and we want people to be aware, but what can they do, right? Well, Proton is actually trying to become somewhat like Google. And I want you to explain what Proton is and why you're a much bigger fan of it than Google. Yeah, thanks, Amy. As always, I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, this for a change is a topic that's actually sort of good news because there are organizations out there who do respect your privacy and are trying to build business models where you are not their product, you are their customer. And when I say that, what I mean is people like Google and Facebook really don't have products. Your data that they collect from you when you use their quote free You're the product. platforms, yes, it is the product. You are the product. You are not the customer. You know, if you're not paying with money, you're paying with data. So there are organizations out there again like Proton. They started out as Proton Mail. They've just recently changed their name to Proton because they've expanded their service offering. Uh, they've been around for a while, got about 70 million users. I stumbled into this a couple of years ago because, you know, obviously I have a professional interest email account. And I had a Gmail account for a long time, you know, as one of the ways to sort of contact me outside of my professional settings. But as you know, I'm not a big Google fan and I've tried to limit my footprint and usage of these uh, data sucking services who make all of their money off of you. And, and frankly, in my opinion, don't have your best interest at heart. So I've tried to limit things like Google in looking for privacy friendly alternatives. I found Proton Mail a few years ago. They're in Switzerland. Um, they provide end-to-end encryption, and that's one of the things that kind of got me onto it because with when you have true end-to-end encryption, mm-hmm. really the only people that can access your data is you and whoever you explicitly shared it with. Um, and there's a great quote from Andy Yen and sort of talking about his perspective on this because, again, they've recently changed their name from Proton Mail and sort of rebranded their look and feel to Proton because in addition to now end-to-end encrypted email – They also have an end-to-end encrypted calendaring system, which is kind of interesting because one of the reasons why people often won't switch to just like secure email or something is because, well, with Gmail, you got a calendar, you got all this other stuff. There's not a whole system of support that we've gotten kind of used to that's just so convenient to use. Yeah. You you are exactly right. And now they've, they've been working on, you know, sort of expanding their ecosystem so that you have email, you have, um, calendar. You have uh, file share, so think of like OneDrive from Microsoft or Google Drive, so you can share files and store files securely. And they've also thrown in a VPN service, a virtual private network. So basically, um, they've created a whole ecosystem where it's much easier to go there. Now, they offer most of this stuff for free, but they have a freemium model. And, you know, I pay, I think, something like, I don't know, six bucks a month for all this stuff. And and that gets back to, you know, they got to make money somehow, right? Believe it or not. Software engineers don't just write all this stuff out of the goodness of their heart. <laughs> yes. Google, Google's making their money by, you know, 
um, monetizing your data, companies like Proton Mail and there are others. Sorry, sorry, Proton now again. Their new name is Proton. Um, you know, are trying to create an environment where you, for a relatively small amount of money, can take advantage of their services and protect your privacy and limit that digital footprint that's out there. Um, you know, one of the things Andy Yin basically said is something to the effect, I can't remember the, the exact quote, but something to the effect of, you know, kind of getting back to that, you're the product at Google, they're making their money. They, they say they protect your privacy by saying essentially only they can exploit your data, right? They have all your data. They're going to do whatever they want with it. They'll sell it to whomever they want. But with Proton, you know, only you have your data. Because of the end encryption, they can't read your data. They're not trying to share your data or sell your data in a way that makes money. You're essentially paying them for the uh, capability to use their products. And I've been on Proton Mail, again, now one of the services of the whole Proton ecosystem for about, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, two years. It works great, very happy with it. Uh, so far, so good. But I do want to caution folks because when you when you hear people talk about this every once in a while a disappointment comes along i was a big fan of duckduckgo for a long time yeah i was just thinking about that because you know they have been the sort of alternative to the google search engine and while admittedly it probably doesn't produce as good a results the idea was you know they're not collecting your data they're not sharing your data or selling your data and it's recently come out that well that isn't necessarily true that they had a, an agreement with microsoft and they were still sharing your data with Microsoft. So, uh, you know, you got to do your homework on these things and you can't always believe everything you read. So it's pretty d disappointing and a big letdown for me because I've been a yeah. big fan of DuckDuckGo. Um, but I, everything I've seen on Proton leads me to believe they're uh, holding up their end of the bargain. And again, when end to end encryption is done correctly, there really is no, no way to crack that based on current technology. So I'm a big fan. There are other players out there. But for folks who are looking for a privacy-friendly and, you know, relatively inexpensive alternative, I strongly encourage people to check out the whole Proton ecosystem. Again, VPN, file sharing, um, calendar, and email, all in one simple, easy-to-use, integrated, privacy-friendly place. Now, here's my question. Uh, I, I, you, you know, you've been using Proton for years and you're a huge advocate of it. Um, and then obviously they're trying to expand their offerings to take on the Googles out there. But do you think that so many of us are so used to free, right? Google being free and all of these things, you just, you just open up your laptop, you just get on your phone. It's all there at your fingertips. You never have to pay for it. Do you think that there's going to be a difficulty in having people buy into the fact that they have to pay to protect their information? Or do you think that there's enough people out there at this point that are going to say, sign me up because I'm done with this? Well, Amy, I think that, I think it is certainly an impediment and a barrier to entry. Um, but I will say this, you know, when I first started using ProtonMail, um, I used the free level. So that's essentially a freemium service. And one of the mm -hmm. ways they get their hooks into you is they'll let you have a very limited offering for free. Sure. Okay. And then, you know, they're upselling you on, well, you get this feature and you get that feature. So, you know, they got this freemium thing going on. I do think there's some impediment to that. And then the other impediment, I think there's really been three things that, that hold up people from switching. Um, they don't want to pay at all, which I understand. But I would argue, you know, when we look at all the things you and I have talked about over the years and all the bad news out there about how your data is being sold and stolen and then used to impersonate you and this, that and the other. Sure. 
you know, this is a much more privacy friendly alternative. Um, and a lot of times the impediment is, okay, well, I've been using Gmail forever. It's going to be very painful to switch. Oh, well, and then, you know, it's got a calendar that's got this and it's got that. Well, again, Proton is trying to bring more of a integrated ecosystem to the table. Sure. And frankly, you know, switching over to it is very easy. Um, they've, they've made it really easy to get on their service. So that's one of the things it's, I think people will be surprised how easy it is to switch. And again, you could try it for free, experiment with a little bit, see what you think. Um, and then I think the other thing is as more and more people become aware and frankly, more states, like uh, I think we're up to five states now because California was sort of the leader in the U.S. with the Con California Consumer Privacy Act sort of modeled off the, the, the general data protection regulation out of the EU. Um, more states are sort of moving in that direction. It's making it more difficult for these companies to just sort of willy-nilly do anything they want with your data. I think as more people become aware of the potential downside of these so-called free services. And, you know, Apple has helped here with their whole app tracking transparency uh, framework and the fact that you can opt out of stuff. I, I think more people will eventually come around. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you look at it, with 70 million users, Proton is still just a tiny drop in the ocean uh, compared to someone like a Facebook or a Google. So, but they're trying to get out there. I think this is great. Just yeah. for those of you who've been listening, right, and, and are uh, somewhat outraged or just done with the fact that your information is being shared and you're wondering, what are my options? How can I protect myself? Dave Hatter, our tech expert tonight from Intrust IT, telling you, you might want to check out Proton. Uh, they've got more offerings now. You will have to pay for it, but you're paying to secure your information. And for a lot of people, that goes a long way. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Want to sell your home? There is one renovation that tops all others. We're going to tell you what it is straight ahead. You know, Steve, anyone who is at or near the retirement age, if you say, what is your biggest fear when it comes to your money? It's almost a unanimous response, outliving your money. Oh yeah, I, I can't imagine being broke, but before retirement. Well, my I can't. I guess can't imagine it. Happened to my dad. You know, yeah. he he ran out of. He just didn't save up enough money, and he he ran out. Not a not a good fallback situation. If this is something that has ever crossed your mind or kept you up at night, we would say, you know what? There are some signs that we have seen. We've helped thousands and thousands of people retire well. And we there are some signs, some red flags that we've seen along the path of, hey, maybe this actually could happen to you. And the first one I would say is if you do not have a plan for long-term health care. Uh, my yeah. grandparents um, saved for years. They were super frugal people, right? Had lived through the, the Great Depression. My grandpa worked for Millicron for years and years and years. He had a pension. They had saved. They had paid off their home. Uh, they had built themselves a, a nice little... Uh, nice little nest egg, but it was yeah. all that they needed until at about the age of 85, my grandpa got diagnosed with Parkinson's. There was no plan for yeah. long-term care. He needed to go to a skilled care facility. Of course, my grandma didn't want to be far away from him. She moved down the hall in assisted living and I have never seen, literally, it's, you know, when you see like movies and stuff where they like the, the numbers are like flying through the page, like cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah. That was literally yeah. how fast they were blowing through money until in just a couple of years, it was all gone. Oh, it, it, it's expensive. And, yes. and, you know, we've been talking about this literally for decades. I, I mean, you need 
to to look at long-term care. And still only 7% was the last number I saw, 7% of retirees have long-term care insurance. And that's despite if you are 65, if you turn 65 today, more than half of you are going to need nursing care. So in other words, if you made it to 65, either you or your spouse are going to need a nursing home. Medicare doesn't cover it. And about the cheapest you're going to get by is about 50 grand a year. It's not unusual to have to shell out a hundred grand a year. I don't, I, I mean, was going to say, I don't, 50 grand is way on yeah, the lower yeah, end. Yeah, that's just getting by. And Medicare doesn't cover it. You mentioned the 7%. My dad is one of that 7%. And that is because he saw this, right? He yeah. saw this right before his eyes with his own parents. Uh, and so, yes, figuring out what is your plan, talking to a financial advisor, does a long-term care policy make sense? A long-term care insurance policy make sense for you? Right? What are your options? But planning for these things. Another major red flag, <laughs> you are the bank of mom and dad. Yes, to you're your the children. money tree. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> I are have learning. seen it so many times. Yep. Hey, Steve, put this in my plan. My kid owes me $50,000. Um, he says he'll pay me back in five years. You really want me to put that in as incoming cash? I don't know if you can bank on that one. I, I mean, I, I hope anybody who borrows money from their parents repays it, but I, I would love to see a study don't that gives a breath. percentage. I, I, I think it's single digits that actually actually pay it back now if if you do not have a financial plan in place and, and you do have kids that are often coming to you with open palm right mom and dad I need help with yeah. this I think this is where it's a great time to get that financial plan in place because you are at least seeing the real effects of them asking for that money, right? How is yeah. it impacting you? Um, and not only are you seeing that, but you can turn to that plan and say, hey, we can't do this anymore because yeah. this is how it's affecting me long term. Also taking out too much money each year, right? Yeah, yeah. Not thinking about the taxes and, and all of that. Well, you know, it's we, we talk about the 4% rule, the 4% guideline. I don't know. I, Morningstar ran a study that said at 4%, there's only about a 50% chance that your money is going to last 30 years uh, after huge. retirement. You know, and, and I, I've run into some people that say, well, I'm not going to be around that long. Well, what if you have lousy luck and you are? Yeah. You know, what if what if you're healthy and you live a long time? What Why if you're would so you stinking knowing... healthy that you do yeah. make it 30 years Why as well? would you? Yeah. And I have seen eight, nine, 10 percent withdrawal rates and people say, why is that bad? No. Yeah, it is. It's bad. Four yes. percent is questionable. So, yeah, you, you've, you've got to take a hard look. And that's not just what you take out every month, because a lot of people that take money out of their 401k or IRA every month. Oh, yeah. And by the way, we're going to do this trip. I'll need to uh, I'll need to give you a call and take out a, a chunk then. Well, that counts. Yes. It's not just the monthly, you know, it's everything that you take out of your liquid investments. If you can't keep it under 4%, um, you better hope you don't make it to, you know, a ripe old age of, you know, 90, 95 or something like that, because it, it may not last you. You take too much money out. You're almost betting against yourself. You kind of are. Yeah. 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 Not well, the best my, way. Yeah, my, my, my parents didn't live that long. Well, medicine's come a long way. You yes. know, it's you, you've got to you've got to be realistic and, and just say, uh, OK, can I make it to 100, 105? You know, just play it safe. And, and you know, if your distribution rate supports that age. Fantastic. Here's the Simply Money point. Understanding these warning signs now can prevent financial danger later on when you get into retirement. Next, the number one renovation that will give you the most return on your home sale. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. 
You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. One home renovation that tops all others, right? It's going to give you the best return on your home sale. No surprise here, Steve. It is the kitchen. Uh, I was hoping you were going to say big screen TV because I'm trying to talk Ann Sorry. into that. Nope. Come on, work that. with me on this one. Come on. Come <laughs> Not on. that, my friend. You know, it's funny. So we, <laughs> we just built a house within the past year yeah. and all the other things that you think through in truly, we have four children and their friends over often, right? We have a, yeah. a house full. Everyone is always in the kitchen. Always, always. Yep. Yes. Yep. And so, according to a new survey, a minor remodel such as painting, replacing countertops, upgrading appliances offers the highest ROI, the highest return on your investment, close to 90%. I think this is, I think this is within reason, right? I mean, I think there's some people who just go way overboard on all the stuff. And, uh, you know, I think if you have really dated cabinets, painting the cabinets or putting new pools on them, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a much higher return on your investment than this insanely high-end appliance or something like that. Although I, I am hearing that for a lot of people, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, but I, I can vouch for it because the house that we lived in for 35 years and sold a couple of years ago, it had the original 1954 kitchen in it, and they were just built differently. You know, yes. you know, never mind the appliances, but you know, obviously the cabinets had gotten old, and and they were small. They mm-hmm. weren't big. It didn't have an island, and you can spend some serious, serious money on a kitchen remodel. But man, if it's coming back at almost 90 percent. It's money well spent. I'll, 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 some other things that you can do, or you know, besides all that, how about just some landscaping? La- yep. Believe it or not, landscaping comes back at almost that rate of return, and it looks pretty. Yeah, it's kind of a neat thing to do. Exterior lighting too, one of the most wanted features yeah. in a home. Also, eighty-seven percent rating as it's in- essential or desirable. Um, a patio, eighty-two percent return on investment. Front porch, eighty-one percent. I think a lot of these too, you have to break it down. Like, wait, what on the inside of the house will get you yeah. that return on your investment? Often it is the kitchen, but on the outside, um, you know, repainting that front door, making sure that the landscaping isn't overgrown, those exterior lights, yeah. and in with the pandemic, home office has become home office. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether or not you're still working out of the home or not, it is a very desirable option when you're shopping for a home. So you might as well do it if you're selling your home. It it makes a ton of sense, pandemic or no pandemic. I mentioned painting the front door too, painting the entire exterior. The IRI for that could be up to 130%. <laughs> I think some of these numbers are truly reflecting, right? These crazy yeah. home sale prices that we're seeing right now. You know, things are starting to normalize. I'm, I'm hearing that from some loan, loan officers that I know. Um, but, you know, even during this time, and, and I always, whether I'm planning on staying in that home for a long time or not, I always do renovations with a thought to, Will we get some money out of this, right? Will this be something desirable? I think it's a very smart way to do it. You've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station.